what I try to do is explain things in a way that's really simple to understand. And a lot of the times these accountants are trying to tell you what to do. And they're also speaking in technical jargon that no one understands. And it's easy to, to look at them and say, I don't want to listen to you. So they go online, they see these like entrepreneurs uh, like that TikTokers. are the TikTokers and these business owners who have done really well, but they're out there saying, you can write off your, you know, your Louis bag and you can write off your G wagon and you can write off this. And I'm like, time out though. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a whole lot of fine print on that one. Hey babe, welcome to the sales and social podcast. I'm so freaking excited that you are here with me today. Are you ready to simplify your sales and learn to sell in a way that feels good, but also brings you in more consistent cash? If you find yourself feeling like you're doing all the things on social media, but it's not converting, you feel like you have inconsistent cash months, but you desire more reoccurring revenue, and you just want to sell in a way that feels good without feeling salesy and also have a lot of fun on your journey to entrepreneurship, you are in the right place. Hey, I'm Jillian. I'm your sales queen and your soon-to-be podcast BFF. 22 years in the corporate sales space, losing my job during the pandemic, having no freaking idea what I was going to do, but knowing that I had a God-given talent for sales, I quickly shifted to the online space, where I have not only been able to grow my own personal business from zero to 500K in just 18 months with nothing more than a Zoom link, a paper planner, and a whiteboard, I've helped hundreds and hundreds of others scale their businesses and explode their sales. So grab your beverage of choice, a pen and a paper if you're anything like me, and let's dive into today's juicy episode. What's up, babes? Welcome back to the podcast. I have one of my favorite humans and probably one of the funniest people I've ever met on the podcast today. Uh, Shannon, welcome to the podcast. I'd love to tell my audience who you are and what you do. Sure, absolutely. So I'm a CPA and fractional CFO. My favorite thing to do is to take the stigma and the mystery and the stress out of numbers for small business owners so that they can keep more of what they earn. That's awesome. And speaking of keeping what you earn, congratulations, your podcast just hit like 50K downloads, right? It did. We're getting 15,000 downloads a month now. Isn't that crazy? That is literally crazy. So from somebody who's just starting out a podcast, I'm actually selfishly going to ask, like, what the heck are you doing to grow your podcast? Uh, really, it's just like <laughs> pointing everyone to the podcast, knowing that that's the first place to find me. That's where I hang out. So it's become awesome because it's like the epicenter of my content. So all my Instagram posts are based off podcast episodes. I have no shortage of stuff to talk about. So I'm really yeah. excited to use that medium. And I finally found like where I really enjoy spending my time. Yeah. And I know one thing that you're doing is like, you get these like super short, potent episodes, which is awesome. And I know it's because what you deliver is money and topics that people just can't consume a lot of that at one time. Yeah, exactly. It has to be in like small doses because if you don't know much about this topic, then it's really hard to consume like 45 to an hour of this type of tech stuff. And I just, I basically say, I only want to talk long enough that like a shower lasts or like emptying the dishwasher or, you know, going on a short walk. Uh, it shouldn't be any longer than that. That's perfect. Well, my showers are like four minutes. So that's perfect. I'm going to start jamming out with you in the shower. Me and Shannon are going to start having shower time together. And uh, I don't do my dishes. I'm super lazy. So we're going to be in the shower together, Shannon. Okay. It's awesome. not that kind of show. <laughs> Mine might love be, it. right? I love it. Uh, so let's dive right in. So what does a fractional CFO, like what do you do for people? That is a great question. Cause everyone asks me that all the time. So yeah. basically what, what we always say, 
Yeah, this is what I always say. There's so many money people in this space. Yeah. But I don't think people know, like, what does Shannon do different than Lisa versus Becca versus Bridget versus Christine? So, like, what is yeah. Shannon's zone of genius? So that's a really good question because there's all these different flavors of financial professional, but there's like, there are, there's like 61, whatever it is, 31 flavors. Yeah. So you have to understand what you're looking for when you're looking for a financial professional. And what we do is really a mix of fractional CFO and tax strategy. What fractional CFO is though, is taking the data, taking your numbers and helping you turn them into decisions, helping you answer the core questions as a business owner, as opposed to here's what your profit was this month. Instead, we're going, hey, your profit is lower than what our target was. Here are things that you can adjust. Let's talk about your pricing. Let's talk about your offer mix. Let's talk about how you're selling it and how you're showing up. It's basically unpacking all of our clients' goals, tying it back to the finances and really talking about KPIs, which are key performance indicators that are driving the results in your business. So as opposed to, let's use the health example, right? Yep. As opposed to your weight's going up and down. We're not your scale. We're actually your personal trainer going, hey, your weight went up. What do we need to tweak and adjust? And helping you refine the goals and really hold you accountable as an executive in your business to following through on those things. Because I think it always helps to have kind of that financial arm on, on your board of advisors and in your ear, keeping an eye on that type of stuff. So when is it time for someone to reach out to a Shannon? Like, when is it too early? When is it too late? I would say you always want to, from day one, have somebody in your ear at some professional level looking over the numbers for you that maybe is more savvy than you are. Um, I, I truly believe in the concept of like, everyone has a zone of genius and like respect it. You know, if it's not yours, find someone whose it is and team up with them. Find a way to work with someone from day one. But when it comes to fractional CFO, at least for my business, if you're north of like, 500, 750K and above, that's really the sweet spot when I think when you want to start really surpassing a million or approaching and surpassing a million, that's when you really got to take some stuff seriously and you really can't duct tape and hot glue it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot of online coaches, but also this podcast is for a lot of small businesses. It's right. for a lot of brick and mortar. So do you work with just online professionals or do you work with a lot of the brick and mortar spaces? I work with with pretty much everything, but we focus on service-based. So like if you have a physical office, that's fine. Uh, what we don't do is a lot of product, but I have people who do. And that's the fun thing about being a fractional CFO is we can kind of pick our own industry specialties. And I think that's part of what we deliver in terms of value is we're really honed in on certain industries and knowing the trends and knowing insights and things like that deeply for online service-based businesses. But I'm part of uh, several masterminds and networks of CFOs. So if it's not me, I can definitely get in touch with the right person for you. I love that you actually just talked about masterminds and networking. I know this is not what our topic is about the podcast, but like you and I actually met in a mastermind. Yep. And I am always in at least one or two masterminds. What is the power of masterminds? And even if you have a successful business, why still be in them? I mean, like, there's no reason not to be, in my opinion. Like, my there's job, always, yeah. like, that. Like for me, not being in one isn't an option. Like, it's my default is, like, where's my community? Where are my people? Mm -hmm. I think it's honestly, it's like, helps me keep my head on straight and let me know I'm not crazy. There are so many times, I'm in a CFO's mastermind, and there's so many times that, like, we come to the table and go, am I effing insane? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> I'm dealing with this one struggle. And then you have, like, 23 other people jump on and go, me too. And it's like the best feeling to go, oh my God, I am not alone in this game. I am not alone in this thing. And as accountants, especially I'm used to having people around me in cubicles that I can be like, 
Hey, I got a quick question. Mm-hmm. And without that online, especially during COVID, it was so lonely. So I think that having some type of like a virtual cubicle pod of people to be like, Hey, God, quick question. Or, Hey, I need to run this idea past somebody is insanely powerful. I think it accelerated my business like five to 10 X the time that it would have taken me to get the results I have because I shortcutted it with a lot of help from peers, friends, and mentors. Oh my God. Me too. People ask me all the time. They're like, what has been your biggest success like factor? And I'm like, two things. One, I'm always in a mastermind. So I'm always have like group mentorship. And then two, I've had the same online business coach forever because I'm not, I haven't like coach hopped, but I think being in masterminds is just so insanely, insanely powerful. So shameless plug, get inside of a mastermind, regardless (laughs) of what it is. I don't care which one it is, just get in one for sure. So one of the questions that I love to ask you is that so many people are pricing their products and they're pricing it based on and this may not be something you want to talk about or not, but they're pricing it based on angel numbers. They're pricing yeah. it based on the way the sun feels today. They're pricing it based on whether Mercury is in retrograde or Gatorade or whatever it is. And they don't actually know what is profitable. And from Agreed. somebody in your land, why is this so not smart? Yeah, I think that I, I just talked about this on my podcast, actually, and this is a great topic. So there's a lot of uh, people who are pricing internally. Yeah. Like I'm pricing based on how I feel or based mm-hmm. on what I want to make. And it's right. I, I, I. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not looking at the lens of what is the market paying for this? Or what is the value associated with this thing that I can command for this product or service? I think we're not doing enough of that research to look externally at what our customers will pay for this and getting that feedback. I think that there's a lot of guidance out there and a lot of coaches who are focusing on the internal value, but it's like, well, is that what people will pay? Like, what is your goal for this product? Is it to get it in more people's hands or is it to get it in fewer people's hands, but to deliver a really, really impactful outcome? So you really have to fully understand the experience of what it is you're offering, what the intention of it is. Uh, But I mean, I'm not like against using the angel numbers or whatever, if that's floats your boat and that's what your customers like, go for it. But I think that if you're pricing based on that and what feels good, I think that that's a, you know, kind of a shortcut and I'm not I'm like, I want to say lazy way, but like kind of um, to do that. You have to, you have to understand your costs. You have to know what is it costing me to serve this person in terms of my time, energy and resources, especially if you have a team, you got to make sure that your pricing can cover all of your expenses that are coming up, understanding your, for example, monthly burn rate, knowing that, okay, when I bring in this type of revenue, I need to make sure I'm covering my expenses too, so that I'm profitable. I think that it's a little bit reactive now, like, oh, I price this and then I have these costs. Oops, I'm not making a profit as opposed to planning ahead and strategically thinking about your pricing. Right. And now I got to be in scarcity. Now I got to sell more. Now I got to hustle. Now I'm in this like fear mode of actually doing it. And this is the other thing I see all the time. People come to me all the time to obviously do sales plans and they're like, oh, I want to hit 10K months. I want to hit 20K months. I want to hit 100K months, whatever it is. But then they're pricing their stuff on angel numbers at 222. You yeah. got to sell a fuck ton of offers at two, two, two to hit a hundred thousand, to hit a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Like, well, and that's no, like what I was doing. I was, so here's one, one of my core values that evolved this year was our value is transformational, not transactional. Yes. So what I realized was I was in it for the transformation of the transaction. And I actually put up an email and, and I put up a post that was like, I'm no longer your April 15th one night stand. You Ooh, can no longer purchase tax returns from me because I'm in it for the long-term relationship and the depth or nothing. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was Jill, I fired 80 clients, which was 80% of my client count. 
I fired 80 clients and I two and a half X my revenue this year mm-hmm. by firing 80% of my clients. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like a scarcity thing. Like it's volume doesn't equal sales. More no. customers doesn't equal more sales. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was when we simplified and we went to from 80, we went from hundred clients to 20 clients. We ended up going, wow. Okay. We're really able to serve these 20 clients with excellence, develop a process, develop a system and a structure, build a team around that. And now that cycle happens every month, almost without my help. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was the perfect thing that our business needed. And that, that's scalability. That's what we're talking about when we talk about scaling. Scaling isn't more, 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 more customers, more volume, more revenue. Scaling is creating a process where you can make money without exerting any extra effort. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I was actually going to ask you is what are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs are making when they're trying to scale a business? I know one of them is they have no plan. What do you oh, see? Yeah. Well, number one for me is like no plan, but also not understanding what scaling means, which is exactly mm-hmm. that. Like they think scaling and growing are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think scaling is making it so that you could have, and we used to do this. This is so funny because I used to be a Zumba instructor, right? So we had this funny thing I've where like- i Zumba moves on your uh, stories. You got some moves, Sharon. <laughs> so trying to like cue somebody to do a dance without using your mouth and like tying your hands behind your back and like, can you get them to do the dance, right? Yeah. So it was trying to get you to practice the nonverbals. And what I was thinking about when I was scaling my business was how can my team, if I- like, God forbid, I drop dead, I go, I disappear, I go to the hospital, which actually happened last week was I was in surgery for a minor procedure. And I was like, if I am out for a couple of days, will the business stop? Like, will everything stop at a halt? And I was so fearful of that happening. And, and that's would your what, business would your business stop or would it keep going? It, it kept going just fine. Mm-hmm. So because what scaling is, is taking the reliance on you out of it. Mm-hmm. Scaling is basically saying, I'm going to build a system and a process that will work with or without me and that someone else could pick up and run with. You actually want to build a, a business that is sellable, whether you want to sell it or not, because it increases the value and it gives you more choices of what to do with your business down the road. So even if you're in your first couple of years and you're like, I'm not going to sell this business anytime soon, mm-hmm. this, these are the moments where you can set the habits and lay the foundation to build a scalable, sellable business. Yeah. So good. It's so good. So why did you become an accountant and not a Zumba instructor? (laughs) Well, two reasons. One one was I never went into fitness full-time because I have a philosophy on that, that once your passion pays the bills, it goes from passion to pressure. Okay. And I think that like this whole, like follow your passions thing, I go follow the money and then pay for the passion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So on passion. Right. So you want to build it on purpose. You want to build it on like function, but you want to also, my dad always taught me this. He was like, you'll make enough money as an accountant that you can do whatever you want when that, and that will, that will flow and change. Your passions will change. They're fleeting. Mm -hmm. So you'll be like obsessed. I was, I loved Zumba for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped doing it as much and I was like, I just want to be a student again. I want to ease out of this. There was no financial pressure on that because it was never a core part of my cash flow. I also enjoyed it more because it didn't pay the bills. Because once something pays the mortgage, it's a job. Mm-hmm. It's a job. So I never wanted to do that. It was always my outlet. But I became an accountant because I lost a bet with my dad in high school. He was an accountant and I took an accounting class in high school. And my dad said, if you hate this class, I will never bother you about becoming an accountant again. I will never pressure you. And by the way, this was high stakes because this was like a weekly thing. My dad would be like, you want to be an accountant? No. So... 
this was like high stakes for me. I was like, you're on. If I, if I hate it, you're never going to bug me again. He's like, yeah, but if you love it, you have to major in it. I was like, but if I love it, I want to major in it. So that's, that, this makes total sense. Yeah. So I was like, you're on, let's do it. And then uh, two weeks in, I was bumped to honors accounting with over a hundred average. And I was tutoring the other students by the end of the year. And I was like, I actually really like this stuff. And yeah. my dad told me that, because I wanted to teach Spanish. That was my thing, which connects well into a current situation that I'm in, right? With my second home. I was going to say, so, yeah, you're, are you still doing Costa Rica? Exactly. We live in Costa Rica half the year. So what happened was I wanted to teach Spanish. And my dad said, uh, Shan, you want to teach a language? This is a language more people need to know. And I was like, ooh, okay. So I've, I really leaned into the accounting side, but I've always had a passion for teaching. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Um, I was actually going to ask you, uh, how are things going in Costa Rica for you? Oh, things are going great. I love Costa Rica. Um, there's always these hiccups with like the legalities and the technical stuff with the house. And we've had a rocky transaction trying to purchase the home. But other than that, I mean, the culture is phenomenal. I love it down there. We have friends down there now. We're kind of embedding ourselves in the community and it's always a fun time. It's just so relaxing. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the things that I see you talk about a lot online is quit taking tax advice from like TikTok Quit taking tax advice from the latest thing that you see on Instagram. Quit taking tax advice from Joe Schmo talking about this. Why do people try to get their tax advice from everybody on the internet other than who they should be listening to? Yeah. So it's funny because the people, the people they should be listening to are probably the boring people. So it's, it's funny because most, I'll I'll say if you close your eyes and I say picture an accountant, it's probably some old white dude. And the problem with that is that you don't want to listen to that person because they remind you of your dad lecturing you or they remind you of your professors and they remind you of authority figures when you were a kid that were boring. Eh, I don't want to do that. So what I try to do is explain things in a way that's really simple to understand. And a lot of the times these accountants are trying to tell you what to do. And they're also speaking in technical jargon that no one understands. So you, they lose you so fast. It's like the Charlie Brown, the wah, 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 wah. So I, I just, I'm not a fan of that style of communication at all. They talk down to you and it's easy to, to look at them and say, I don't want to listen to you. So they go online, they see these like entrepreneurs uh, like that TikTokers. are the TikTokers and these, these business owners who have done really well, but they're out there saying, you can write off your, you know, your Louis bag and you can write off your G wagon and you can write off this. And I'm like, time out though. (laughs) Like there's a whole lot of fine print on that one. And a lot of people are taking it seriously. But what's really cool that I've noticed is a lot of people are DMing me those videos Mm -hmm. and being like, Shannon, is this true? And you're, you're still becoming the authority. Like people are being like, Oh, Shannon, can I do this? Right. So the cool thing is that there's enough trust Mm -hmm. to be like, Hey, I saw this, but I trust Shannon to tell me if this is true. And that is like the biggest compliment I think I could ever receive is Shannon, is this real? Can you talk about this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about it. And sometimes it's actually true. And I'm like, no, that's legit. You should do that. But I think, I think that we're trying to find the quick pieces of advice and the quick action steps because our generation in general is hungry for like, just tell me what to do. Yeah. Just tell me what to do. We don't want to learn it. We just want someone to tell us what to do. So can we write off our Louis bags and our fake boobs and our (laughs) trip to the nail salon? I got three write-offs right there. Tell me, can I give right off all three? Generally, no, I will say. Well, I would say 99.9% of people cannot deduct those things. There has to be just a, a compelling business reason why those things have to happen. And there are some like 
like if there's an extreme situation, there was actually a tax court case that came out with like a stripper tried to write off her plastic surgery as a business expense. And I was yeah, like, I was, I was just told I could write off my Botox. No. Yeah. I was some, someone was just like, you know, you can write off your Botox. I was like, no, really? You can. Here's, here's my answer. You can write off anything you can, but, <laughs> but wait for that phone call. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Like, wait for someone knocking at the door uh, in a couple of years when the IRS catches up on their audits and they hire all those people. Mm-hmm. So like, can you? Sure. It just depends on your risk tolerance. We take what we call a measured risk approach. Like, I'm not going to walk over dollars to pick up pennies. I'm not going to try to deduct the Botox and raise a red flag. I'm going to go after the bigger ticket stuff. I'm going to go after like, are you renting your primary residence? Are you managing an S-corp? Are you doing that strategy to save yourself in, in self-employment tax? Are you... Like, are you saving thousands, not, you know, tens or hundreds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. That's literally so good. So people that are listening right now, what do you have going on? How can people find you? Where do you want to drive people to? Absolutely. So the best place to find me is on my own podcast, Keep What You Earn. Jill has been a guest on the show. So definitely check out her episode. She was twice, like, right? I think so. Yeah, we did a panel yeah. and we did uh, your episode on sales strategy, which was gold, by the way. Thank you. So you can check out uh, my podcast called Keep What You Earn. And you can follow me on Instagram at Shannon K. Weinstein. There's a lot of reels of me and my puppet that looks just like me that Jill. <laughs> I was going to say, can we talk about the puppet? How is yeah. life with the puppet going? She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoy her. Uh, I had this idea to... Uh, make it a little bit more fun and approachable. And I was like, well, I'm an elder millennial. How did we learn things when we were kids? And I'm like, Sesame Street, Muppets. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what if I just took that and I could literally make any topic more approachable by having this little Shannon (laughs) do her own reels. You guys, she literally has this puppet that looks just like her. Like she's literally dressed in this little blue suit, which Shannon did a photo shoot in. And it literally looks just like her. And I'm not joking. When I say Shannon is literally one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. She's literally one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. So definitely make sure you check her out. Go slide into her DMs, download her podcast and check her out. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was literally so much knowledge. You guys go back, listen to this episode, take some notes and go over and follow Shannon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Sales and Social Podcast. If today's episode has you fired up and you loved it, could you do me a huge favor and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or take a screenshot and share it on social media and don't forget to tag your business bestie. And while you're there, connect with me on the gram at the Jillian Murphy. I'm on a mission to change the mindset of sales. I want people to love sales because the reality is sales is the foundation of everything you do. It's how your business generates revenue consistently. So show up and be unapologetic about selling because once you fall in love with selling, babe, sky's the limit. So I'll catch you on the next episode, but until then, feel free to slide into my DMs because I cannot wait to get to know you better.